our seats. I am your flight attendant, Heather, the ESS specialist for South Christian, and I will be assisting you along in our journey of this school year. Um, as we make our ascent, please make sure that you have your passport out and that it is available to be checked at any point along our journey. <coughs> at this time, I would like to direct your attention to the emergency exit, <laughs> should you need it. Um, I know that it's protocol for me to do some little kind of like silly pantomime about your seat being used as a flotation device and, you know, also the, uh, what is it, the, oh yeah, the emergency oxygen masks on. But do you know how many of these I do in a day and how many hours of training that takes? And nobody ever really listens to them anyway. So today I'm just going to let you refer to the bullet pointed pamphlet that you received when you boarded. All right, as an ESS specialist, I have extensive training and literally some safety training on what it is like to help the passengers or you as teachers safely travel and handle this journey of the school year that's ahead of you. This has meant extensive hours of meetings, reading paperwork, much like this. This right here is a picture of like the average size of one of our students' case files. It might be a little bigger, it might be a little bit smaller, but that's the average of what it might be. <coughs> now, you as gen ed teachers, who's actually gonna go through and read through all that again in the middle of the school year, especially in a dire situation? Certainly not you, and you shouldn't. So, that is why we created the emergency pamphlet for you, which you may now find in the seat pocket that is located from here. <laughs> this emergency pamphlet, or the IEP, ISP shorts, okay, IEP meaning that if they have an individual education plan through a public school, or ISP just means that in a Christian school it's the individualized special plan for that student. Um, all right. This document that you have in front of you summarizes all that stack of paperwork into bullet points so that you can quickly address and handle any situations or urgent classroom needs that you may have. It includes the name and grade of the student, a brief description of their diagnosis, what difficulties they might have, uh, warning signs of what it might look like or appear like in your classroom, the student's strength and interest, other notes and helpful strategies for you to try. So let's look at an example together. Here's one. Um, and you'll notice that up there we state their grade level because we find that helpful and their first and last name. Uh, this document, if your school has one like it, I find it very helpful. Keep it in a spot that you can refer to it often, but also make sure that you're keeping it in a location that maintains the student's confidentiality. So this student is 11th grade. Uh, you can see we have their diagnosis up there. Um, I don't know if I have any PE teachers, or music teachers, or even like elementary teachers. You do a lot of work with um, fine motor skills or gross motor skills. Uh, so I always like to put up there too as low, you'll see low muscle tone or slow processing speed. Okay, so that, I put that up there specifically so that when you're working in art and you have those fine motor skills and they're having to grab the pencils or the paint brushes, you are aware that they might need a little bit of accommodation or it might be a little bit harder for them. They might not be able to do it as long. 
Um, also, the slow processing speed, I like to put that up there for any PE teachers. I also have studied PE, and so I find it helpful that that's on there. So if a kid has a slow processing speed, maybe that means that you have a bigger projectile that's slower, so when you're playing catch or something, they have the ability to be successful as well. Um, the difficulty here, this is what they are physically going to struggle with. So in your classroom, they're going to struggle with focusing. They're going to struggle with um, assignments and organization. Um, it might look like they turn in a paper and only half of it is complete. Um, it's not because they didn't want to finish it, but the ADD, ADHD got the best of them, and they didn't realize that they didn't finish the rest of it. Um, this looks like section, I believe, is very helpful because... Um, this is what's going to happen in your classroom when that student's disability is starting to come out and they can get a little nervous that it's starting to come out. And so it looks a little bit differently in your classroom. So for this one, he's gonna get very, the student's going to get very distracted. They're going to uh, seek attention because they're trying to um, deter people from noticing their, their difficulties that they're having at that moment. Um, incomplete work, right? Um, you're going to notice that they might struggle, the student particularly might struggle with getting it from their head out. Um, there's a disconnect between their head and the paper, um, so you might see that. Above all, I think the, the most critical section of this is the strengths and interests section. This section here, we put it up here so that you can build rapport. Students in ESS, the biggest thing that they need is they need positive relationships with their teachers. That's what's going to make them want to work for you, and that's what's um, going to help them feel like their disability isn't the only thing that, they, that you see. Um, so I find that really helpful. I even have a situation where um, I have a student, and every single day she wears a different pair of crazy socks, like different patterns, like dinosaur party dinosaurs or snow white or lemons or something like that. So that is something I would put in the strengths and interests section so that if teachers want to start a conversation with them, they can be like, hey, what, what socks do you have on today? You know, and the student smiles and they pull up their blood and they're like, I have dogs. Can I tell you about my favorite dog? And they're like, yeah, tell me about your favorite dog. You have an instant connection right there. It's also critical for you in that, let's say the student is being difficult for you, right? They don't want to write their essay. They don't want to do this. Well, could you write your essay on your favorite pair of socks and tell me the story of how you got that favorite pair of socks? Instantly, you have won them over because you've gone to something that is a strength and that they are interested in, okay? You might have to be a little creative as far as the requirements, but they're still writing, they're still producing, and you're building that relationship with them. Um, so I highly recommend that. It is also really good for you to see this. If you are working on building, um, if we have some elementary classroom teachers in here too, it's really important. You're going to be with those, those kids are going to be with each other all the time. I will even sometimes tell this to like our peer-to-peer -peer program or the people that eat lunch with them. If they're not sure what kind of conversation to start, I'll be like, hey, ask them about their socks. And then you, you have also the ability to build those peer relationships as well. Okay, and then the last thing is that we have strategies for you to try, which are just <coughs> bullet-pointed, um, that would be helpful and quick for you. Um, they are usually just common things that you can do in your classroom that don't require a lot of extra um, materials or support. And then finally, at our school, we like to do an accommodated short list right here. So here it lists the students, um, everything that they need. 
And I find that really helpful to be in this bullet point. So if you're like, hey, I can't remember if he takes tests with me or if that he needs tests with you, um, you can quickly pull this up and know um, that he needs a copy of class notes when you're running them off. Uh, the big thing, if you notice on the front one, was that uh, he has a math, this person has a math disability, right? So it's bolded there that in order for them to be able to have access to your curriculum and show you what it is they actually know, they need the prompt of the formulas and then they can move forward there. All right, so this is just an example of how our school does it, but I know each school around here looks a little bit differently. So take a few minutes and turn and talk with the people around you um, to follow up and ask about, does your school have something like this? What does it look like? What information do you find most helpful? Is there anything that else that you wish was on there or something that you, you think shouldn't be on there? Right. Go ahead and chat.
and that was really helpful to have that information. We have it like electronically where I can just go pull up at any time because there's a piece of paper, I will use it. Hey. Anybody else? How does yeah, that look? We, do, we do something like that. I, I wish it was a little more organized, but we use on campuses a version of it. And I think there's certain things we should add, like strengths and, and traits would be something that would be really important because, yeah, you could check. Like, I give them kind of like a profile a little bit, but something more specific that's accessible in the state of, you know, like, wait a second, why am I not connecting with this kid would be really important. Thank you. <laughs> okay, well, let's transition now. Let's transition now to putting your students in the place of a passenger or a world traveler. Imagine with me that you are going to seven different countries all in one day. Each one speaks a different language, has different routines, expectations, laws, and rules of etiquette. Once you start to feel acquainted with one country, you are quickly whisked off to the next one where everything changes again. It would be so easy to get lost and confused. Wouldn't it be helpful if there was some consistency? How many of you would quickly turn to Google Translate as a lifeline? This is how our students feel when it comes to navigating all the different classrooms in a day. And it can feel twice as overwhelming for the parents or paraprofessionals that are trying to come alongside them. We, flight attendants, or ESS specialists, want to help you lessen student and parent anxiety because in doing that, we are helping you as the classroom teacher save lots of precious time re-explaining and sending emails to both the student and the parents. We want to take care of that. So, just like many of you have a common, pl um, common platform, such as Google Translate, in the world of academia, we have what we call learning management systems. Yay, COVID. All right, <laughs> learning management systems. We have Google Classroom, okay? And um, the thing about Google Classroom is that we hold students accountable to what is listed on there. But if it's not listed, then we don't know about it, and you're speaking a language that we can't find and we can't translate. So a key is to keep Google Classroom or, or whatever learning management system that you use up to date. And preferably, if you could add ESS staff as a co-teacher, this will help us um, help our students and, again, lessen the time that you have to spend with them. Because then I am allowed to go in and I can see, oh, one, did they turn it in? Oh, yep, they turned it in. But the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to open it up and be like, did they do an adequate job? Because a lot of my ADHD kids, they'll just click submit and they only answered one question. So I don't have to go and bother the classroom teacher anymore. I have it right there. I'm like, dude, unsubmit that. You have got to do at least you know, 75 to 85% of this. You can't just say I don't know for all of them. Right? That gives us, that's put on us as ESS, and it lessens what you have to do as a classroom teacher. When it comes to assignments, our time in ESS is very short, and it's very precious, and we have so much we want to get done, and we want students to do a good job when they get to your classes. So we need to know what to expect and what it is they need to do. So when you put an assignment up there, make sure we know all the details and how we can find it. So here's an example. It says, 
Read the Epic of Gilgamesh, pages 225 to 250 in your textbook. Now I know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the textbook. I know what pages I need to look for. And answer the questions entitled Part 1, The Quest Begins. Also, now I know the name of the assignment. Then it says, submit it on Google Classroom, turn it before class at 9.15.22. Okay, so now I know, okay, we need our computer and we need our textbook because we're going to turn this in on Google Classroom and it needs to be done before they come to school, before they come to class. All right, this saves so much time, it's so specific. Okay, so let's take a look at being consistent in this manner. Uh, again, saves a lot of time so that we can spend more time doing assignments with kids rather than trying to find assignments with kids. So here are just a couple of examples from our Google Classrooms that we've seen. Okay, um, This one is not helpful. And I know it might seem easy because you're in that classroom. You know what's going on. The kids should know what's going on. But think about it as an outside traveler speaking a different language. Homework. Finish your worksheet. Okay, where do I find this worksheet? Is it online? Is it on paper? What's the name of this worksheet? Most of my students have worksheets crumpled up in the bottom of their backpack. So what color, what title are we looking to organize today? And then when is this worksheet due and how do I turn it in? Okay. This is the stuff, if it's not clearly posted, that we spend 90, I'd say like, well, probably about 75 to 80% of our time in ESS just trying to figure out what to tell the parents at home, right? Like, Okay, we got two or three of these problems done. Had we had good information, we probably could have gotten all of it done. So, you might look at this next one and be like, wow, that is way too long. That's not really, like, that's a lot of stuff there. That's actually very helpful for us. Because, again, it tells us the assignment. It gives us step-by-step -step directions. It, it tells us when and where it needs to be turned in so that we can quickly do the translating for our students in class and we can hit the ground running by getting it done. The other thing to think about is with your learning management systems or Google Classrooms, be strategic and clear about how you're going to set it up so that every time the kids go in, they know exactly what to expect. So this wonderful teacher here, <laughs> by the unit, okay? She has exactly what's due, what the title of it's due, when it was posted, when it is when it is due, right? And it's very easy if you teach a class from year to year, just set up that template and then in the summertime, all you have to do is change like the, the due dates of things. But if you have the template, like you copy that class, you can just change a couple of things and make it super easy and consistent. Um, one of the things that she does that is really helpful is that she provides the answer keys to her notes at the end of class, okay? That is so helpful. I know for a lot of people it's like, well then the kids feel like they don't have to pay attention, right? No, okay? It, we've all, we need things in multiple modes to remind us, right? That's why we have our phones. We have reminders on our phones. We tell people reminders. Some people still use the sticky note reminders, right? We need to be told things in multiple ways. So some students need to hear the assignment in class they need to see it on the board, okay? They need to read it. And then remember, they're going to seven different countries. So when they get home, 
and they have to download all this again, okay, they're going to need it clearly laid out as they go through. They're going to need to know. So, for example, raise your hand if you have ever asked somebody to, uh, if you've ever asked, been asked to do something or answer a question and you weren't quite sure of the answer at the time. Has anyone ever replied to them, hey, can you email that to me so it's at the top of my inbox? Okay, so why do we do that? Because we, as even as adults, we need those multiple reminders, right? Okay, yeah, you told me in person, in class, but then uh, I got interrupted by 15, 20 students and a couple teachers before I actually got to my destination to do what it is you asked me to do, and now I don't remember what that was. But that email that I can see, and I can go back and read the directions, Ah, now I remember, now I can be successful and help you along your way. That's the same thing with our students. Now, do I have any middle school teachers in here? Yay, middle school teachers! Yay. Our heroes! <laughs> One of the most helpful things, or skills, life skills, that you can teach your students is how to check learning management systems like Google Classroom. Okay. I know we're usually used to doing like the paper planners and things like that uh, in elementary school and stuff, but when they get to high school, they need to know how to navigate this, how to go through each classroom, see what their homework is, and along with that, they also need to know how to check their email every day. Okay. I can't tell you how many of my students have missed important directions, or they've missed really fun events with like their sports teams, or audition opportunities and things like that because they are not checking their emails every day. So sometimes in my in my um, study halls with them, we'll open up their email and like, do you have 500 unread emails? Like, okay, like we gotta sort this out every day at the beginning when you come in. Take five minutes, sort through your emails. Why do I say all this? Because we as ESS staff, we check. Okay, we check the learning management systems and we check the gradebooks often, like a couple of times a week, and we hold students accountable to what we see in that gradebook and on that learning management system. So the more that you can keep that up to date, the more that we can help you, the more we can um, come alongside and keep students accountable to what it is that they need to do, and we can have clear communication with the parents what really has been turned in and what has not been turned in. All right. Additionally, when you travel, I like to use Google Maps. It will tell me about any road construction or hazards so that I can quickly reroute, take a detour, and get to my destination on time and with the least amount of bumps in the road as possible. How many of you used some form of Google Maps when you came here today? Yay, Yay great life skill. Okay. This is what a test calendar, and I don't know if your school has it, so we'll show some examples. This is what the test calendar does for us as ESS staff. Okay. Uh, <coughs> go. This is what a test calendar looks like from our school. Okay. Um, teachers are required to put in like the grade, the name of the class, um, and then the teacher's name. Okay. And this goes in so that we can see all of the tests and things that are coming up in the week. Uh, it really helps with planning because we try not to have any one grade or one class um, have more than three tests in a day. It gives us a really clear outlook of what's coming up. So if I go to Google, um, this is just a screenshot of our Google Classroom um, Google Calendar. 
Okay, so you can see like, uh, what's a good one? Like right here we have um, Advanced Algebra 2 Test, okay? It is on Wednesday, it's the 10th graders, and it's with uh, Mrs. Wesseldyke. Great, now I have an idea of what's coming up. Um, it, another way that you can look at it looks something like this. Okay, so it just gives you a straight list of the tests that are up for that day. Okay, that, that's essential to us as ESS staff as we are planning because we have, we're teaching classes too, we're teaching strategies and things, and then we have kids coming in for tests. So we need to make sure that we have enough space, enough materials, enough readers uh, for them when they come down because we want them to be successful and truly have access and show you what it is that they know. So this is key to helping us plan for you to be successful and for your students to be successful. All right, you should have in the pockets in front of your seat, there's hopefully a note card in there. So go ahead and pull it out and you should have a pen. I'm gonna do a little activity. Did everybody have one? I have extra note cards if you can. They might have slid to the bottom of my envelopes. Got them? All right, take a guess. How long do you think it would be take all of us to write a quick four-sentence tongue twister? What do you think? Four sentences. Just four quick sentences. Like a minute, two minutes? Is he a minute? Two minutes? Yeah? Okay, about two minutes? Okay, so I'm going to start um, a stopwatch up here, and we're going to see how long it takes you. Let's see. You're going to write it down on your note card. Once I show it to you, you're going to copy it. It'll pop up on the screen here in just a minute. No, no. You're going to copy one. I'm sorry. Let me let me be more specific for you. You're going to copy one that pops up on the screen. Thank you. Thank you. How long do you think it would take to copy? Three or four minutes. Two minutes? Okay, well, we'll go with two minutes. It is in English. It is in English. No, no, I don't want to make... No, I'm not going to trick you like that. No. <laughs> but I am going to add a little twist to it. Do we have to interpret it like in another language? No, what you need to do is take that pen that's in your hand and put it in your non-dominant hand. Oh, 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 and you know what? You also need to write it in legible cursive form. Oh, for God. Okay? <laughs> All right? Okay? Let's see, I have a minute 30 up here because that's how long it took me to do it with my right hand. So ready? Set. Go. All I want is a proper cup of coffee made in a proper copper coffee pot. I may be off my dot, but I want a cup of coffee from a proper coffee pot. Notes, 
Alright, are we gonna get done in like thirty seconds? We did this in a minute and a half. With my dominant, yes. Because oh. <laughs> that's the original way that we were your dominant hand. So I'll keep going and then you can just put your cards in the air when you're done and we'll see how much longer it takes us to get it all done. Majority done. I'll stop my stopwatch. modifications, 
In our building, we also create, help students create study materials, and then we're sending that out to families, right? Um, and so we ask for a minimum of a week's notice of tests coming up. Now, to you as classroom teachers, that might seem a little overwhelming. You're like, but I might not even know where I'm going to get by the end of the day tomorrow. That's okay. We just need to know the big picture. What are the big things that you're going to be testing kids on? With an answer key, please. <laughs> so that we can begin to start building those skills. Because our students, they have to take this really long you know, detour, whereas everybody else can take the shortcut easily to get there. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to be that person that asked the question. Go ahead. Oh, um, <laughs> cheers. Um, when, when teachers are reluctant to share the answer key, yes. what do you, what are your techniques? Yeah. What are my techniques? Yeah. Um, I usually, I had the privilege of being able to do a professional development similar to this with my staff, and so sometimes we refer to that, we're like, hey, remember that activity that we did? Yeah, this is that kid, so I need, I need that for them. This is, a part, this is a part of their accommodations, and we need it. Um, if they still refuse, then we'll say, okay, well, this, this student, they'll take the test after we get the stuff that they need. But we need to do it within a reasonable amount of time, right? Because we don't want them to get further behind material, and yeah. missing more material. Yep. Um, a lot of times I email them. That's why this, this calendar is very helpful. Mm -hmm. Because if I see that calendar, sometimes we'll be like, hey, remember you have this test coming up and I still need the key. Like, yes. please send it to us. Okay. But our administrator also is supportive and has our back and yeah. says, this is what you will do as gen ed teachers, which is great. Which is the next step. Yep. To bring them in. Oh, um, okay. Uh, I yes. have a question also. You had said something about sending study guides home and things like that. Is that like a study guide that like a teacher would provide, like a review for the kids to do, and you send that home, or do you create study guides for these kids according to their accommodations? Um, it depends on the the student, yeah. um, because I do if they are higher functioning, we do want to teach them how to do these skills, how yeah. to study, um, what it kind of takes to do that. Yeah. But they need direct instruction on how to do that, which also right. takes time. Um, some of our um, Depending on the disability, some of the other kids, we just, we send, we're like, okay, if they're super, super slow processor, right, we're like, okay, here's your Quizlet, go study it, because you need all the time that you can get to go yes. study it. Um, and I usually send it home to parents, too. I'll be like, hey, FYI, there's a history test coming up. Please start studying this. Here's the link. Your child also has a hard copy of it, and they have been given this link, too. So, so I was wondering about that, like, where... You, how you work with parents and like their accountability and like their their part in all of this, like how you if like your expectations of parents and their role with with their child's education. Because mm -hmm. we sometimes find that we have parents that are maybe overly involved, mm -hmm. or we have parents that are extremely under under involved. So mm -hmm. we're wondering like what kind of expectations you have as as opposed like as in regards to like studying and also like we got 45 minutes with, with these kids right that's one period for us 45 yeah minutes. You, there's no we way you're going to do, do all, seven right. class periods so six we'll class say periods. we'll say we were able to get all of their math homework done because that's their weakest we were able to help them with all of their math homework but they need to do this english assignment tonight at home yep. and and that's it and it's on google classroom and all the things but then they'll come back <coughs> the next day nothing's done right and at that point 
at some point you have to you have to be able to say this is all that we're able to do but we can't want it more than the student or the family wants it and this is a part of that developmental learning phase right yep. sometimes right. they have to learn like oh maybe I should listen to them and sometimes unfortunately that's a hard way you don't want it to be the hard way yep. but as long as you are following those steps you know teachers are communicating with you you're communicating with them yes. all of that um, what we do at our school before the school year even starts is that we meet with all of our parents for about an hour and just say, hey, this is what high school is like, blah, 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 this is, this is your kid's schedule. And we specifically tell them, you can expect homework every night in math and like history or whatever the hard subjects are for them. So expect this to come home every night and it needs to get done. So, so you, we can record you with all like, the freshmen parents? We start with the freshman parents. We yeah. make sure that they have that good foundation, that base, yeah. before they come into high school. Yeah. And then after we meet with freshmen, we kind of open it up to whoever wants to meet with us that are um, upperclassmen. You know. okay. Um, okay. So we set that expectation early, right? And then we're sending out the emails. That Google Calendar is really helpful because yes. um, uh, then we can send that out quickly to, to students too. It is a good idea that you can also say, hey, it was on Google Classroom. Yep. Hey, it was on our board. Hey, it was this. Hey, remember at the beginning of the school year, I have documentation that we met and I told you about this. Yep. Hey, here's the list of all the emails that I sent you saying, hey, you need to study this. Yep. So you have that documentation and that trail. So if the parents are like, we had no idea. And I was like, well, you didn't communicate with us and here's all of the records I have of trying to communicate with you. So this is what we need to do going forward. So if we can try to keep it more like factual base, I mean like don't here's, here's the data. It's always yeah. it's always more helpful. We, we keep what we keep all we make sure we have email you know trails. Absolutely, hundred percent. Mm -hmm. But okay. Thank you. Yeah. The yes. test calendar, do you open that up to all gen ed teachers and they just input it or do they fill out like a Google form then that you see and you input? Um no we actually have an open Google cam Google okay. calendar like I showed up there yep. so then teachers can go in and put in their tests and they can also see um, that way they're able to see, oh, the ninth graders have like, two other big tests this oh, week. Oh, so they see each other's, right. Yeah, so they're going to be like, okay, I can move mine to We here. have to put on there, like, um, if you're the first person, you put one. Oh, that so that sense. way, if you're the person trying to do it at the last minute, and then it's ready two for, like, ninth grade, you can't do it that day. Because it's ready to two okay. that day. We're not going to have two tests a day, right? A third yeah. one, you can move your date. Or so. the third one, the student can take it at a different time. Okay. Right. Yeah, if there's only one kid that overlaps because you've got 10 to 12 in the same class. Okay. One more question. Yes. Do you use Google Classrooms and another type of uh, platform? Um, currently, we just switched our, our uh, main grading system, management system that way. So at the current time, yes, we do use two. Um, we're hoping to kind of sync those as we learn more more about our new system. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So going back to uh, accommodations again, a week before the test, if you can get that to us with an answer key, that is so critical for us because um, I want you to know that we think all of your classes are important and the content is great. But in our building, <coughs> we are doing this for all seven classes of all the kids on our caseload across all four grade levels. So we need some time. <laughs> okay, we need some time to do that. Um, okay. So, also along the lines of gradebook, when you have done everything possible to get somewhere on time with planning, rerouting, it can be super frustrating when you find yet another obstacle in your way, such as a drawbridge, 
passing train, or like on your bingo sheet, a really long extended layover. And not knowing how long these can take, I don't know about you, but this can increase my anxiety, and pretty soon I'm starting to become like anger from inside out, right? I'm like, oh, just move, let's go, right? Uh, this is similar to what our students can go through if that gradebook is not updated. Imagine they think they're doing great, they're running along, they're doing awesome, and then all of a sudden everybody's gradebook gets updated at the same time, and now they have this long list of missing assignments. Right? That drawbridge has gone up, the train is passing, their anxiety is increasing. And I know that you as teachers are probably like, but their assignment is overdue. Yes, I understand that. But, okay, this sudden influx of all these things being overdue, okay, it can, it can create um, a backup, just like you see here. And so then the student isn't even able to move on with what you are currently teaching in their class. So that's, if we can do that consistently, it's, it's good for you, it's good for us, it's good for the students all around. And if there's ever a problem with that, just talk to us. We, we, can, we can work things out, we just need to be aware. Um, and the, our students don't do well with surprises like that. Do you, does your school have a, a lakewood policy? Mm -hmm. It depends on the department. So your school, your school doesn't have an overall RPing legwork. Like, how about we have, you ever we have, have certain to say, due you dates. better do this homework because this teacher won't accept it late, and so we're going to take priority over this one because this one will be more lenient. Do you have those kind of things? We usually, <laughs> we usually add in our accommodation sheet that they can turn, turn in late work. So what if we? Okay, oh, that's another. Um, and our we have certain we have certain due dates that everybody has to update their calendar or their gradebook for because we have like eligibility for sports and other extracurriculars and things like that. Um, so that is good. The problem is that a lot of teachers just wait until that date and then they put everything in. Yeah. And that's you know. So if you can encourage them like. Hey, even if it's just participation or you haven't graded it yet and it's in, like make some kind of note so that we on our end, we, we know what to hold kids accountable for and what not to. Because sometimes, I, one time I, I was going after a student, I was like, you need to get this done, you need to get this done, you need to get this done. He's like, I have it done, I have it done, I already did it, I turned it in. And it was paper, so I couldn't go in and actually see. Um, so I ended up emailing the teacher finally and I'm like, okay, I'm getting this pushback, can you verify for me? Did they actually turn this in? And they're like, oh yeah, he turned it in like two weeks ago. Oh, here I am, I've been, you know, hounding this student for something that they don't even need to do, yep. right? Yep. So then that can kind of hurt the rapport that we're building with them as well. All right, another important factor when you are traveling, okay, here we go, keep missing assignments up to the date so that you can avoid the panic button. That's the short. Another important thing you need to know uh, when you are traveling is what the weather is going to be and how to dress for that weather. So knowing the attitudes and emotions of the classroom and knowing the attitudes and emotions of your students is key. I know that you have much, much going on in your classroom at any time and you are seeing a large number of students in and out each day, but taking a quick minute or even a second to scan the room can make a huge difference. And it doesn't have to be anything extravagant either. It can be a simple, quick turn and talk. Um, I like to do what I call quick bell ringer activities. So my students know when they come in, this is part of, part of the routine. 
Um, this is a, they really enjoy it. So it gives me a chance to look around, observe the room, see what's going on, see what kids need. I can even do it while I'm taking attendance and they, they know what's happening, you know. Um, a few of these, it, the big thing is that it allows you to quickly see the emotional and like the social temperatures of the classroom. So while they're doing this, I'm like, oh, there's a little bit of tension going on over there. Oh, they're having a really good day. Okay, you know, and you're just kind of observing what's going on, who, who you can call on, who you might not be able to call on. Some examples that I use is just like a quick sticky note activity or like a checkbox, right? Like, hey, rate the food in the cafeteria for today on a 1 to 10, you know, and they put all their sticky notes up there. Um, or it could be something as a current event. Uh, I taught a social skills class last year, and so one of the social media events we did was like, should Will Smith be banned from the Oscars because of his behavior or not? And it was very interesting. They quickly put up their things, and now we had something in common that we could talk about and kind of lead into our lesson. Um, there is a quick question of the day that you could do, like a would you rather. There's even a website called Every Day is a Holiday. So every day is a different holiday. I quickly pull that up and you can come up with some very fun, quick starter questions just to lighten the mood for, for the kids that have been going throughout the day. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but I actually did this when you walked in. When you did your bingo board activity, I was actually observing, okay, how are you feeling? Do we have people that are gonna wanna ask questions? Who is a morning person and who actually needs another cup of coffee? Okay, got it. So, um, what you observe in your classroom matters, and it matters uh, <coughs> a lot, okay? You might think it's something little, but to us, it can mean a big key difference. So, uh, one time I had three teachers come up to us during the day, us meaning my colleague Sally, who's here, um, and they just told us, like, I don't know what's wrong with this kid. He's just off today. He's way off, and I don't know what it is. Well, that sparked us to be like, okay, well, we're going to call home, and we're going to text home, and we're going to try to figure this out. We finally got a response, and it said, oh, yeah, that kid's been off his meds for three weeks, and we forgot to tell you. Oh. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So we're quickly, we're quickly scrambling. We're quickly scrambling, and we're trying to contact all of the afternoon teachers and be like, you need to know this information because you're gonna have to handle this kid differently, right? And you can't get on him because he's not on his meds, like he's trying to figure this out. So even the little things of like, I don't know what it is, they're just off, we need to know that, that's important to us, okay? Um, and the same thing, if we find out something important, like the kid didn't take their meds, we're gonna run to you and be like, here's what you need to be successful in your classroom today, call us if you need anything and we'll be right there. Um, so some days, the weather will be bright and sunny, and it will be easy to travel down. Um, but other days, we also have those stormy days of bad attitudes, hurtful actions, and harsh words that can make traveling a little bit more difficult. So again, communicate with us, and we will communicate with you about how a student's day is doing. Um, in our ESS rooms, we have lots of weather gear for kids. At our school, we have a therapy dog. We have some low light space. We have all these different fidgets and um, the little things that we can try. Um, so let us know and we can help you provide the equipment that you need. Um, but remember that when storms come, they're usually spotty and they're actually a buildup of things that have been happening throughout the day. Uh, it can look like defiance, disrespect, not wanting to do anything, or don't talk to me. Okay. 
the student is just trying to navigate the situation. They do, they're stressed and they don't know how to tell you that, hey, I need a break. So allow them some space, allow them some choices, give them some breaks. You know, a lot of times we offer like, hey, do you need to go pet the, the dog for a little bit and come back, right? Um, but stay calm because this too shall pass. <laughs> and I think with some of these strategies that I'm gonna show you, you will find that the storm is much calmer and will pass by more quickly than you thought. So here are some common de-escalating strategies to help you remain calm. So take a minute or two um, why don't you get up, because you've been sitting for a long time, get your blood flowing, talk to somebody on the opposite side of the room, and see, like, which one of these have you tried, what works, what doesn't work, um, is there one you never thought about, or one that you think should be up there? Diet Coke. If not, that's all right. <laughs> you don't have to drink it. All right. I'll hand that one to you. Right. To you. All right. In the light. And then if. Oh, Where are we standing? Why don't you stand on. Yeah, I'll pull this back. So that they can see it. We had um, dark pop on a dark tablecloth, so we need to see it. Okay. So look at this here. Uh, what do you notice about these three cups? They have different amounts. So if I were to come by, and I'm not really going to do this, so don't worry. If I were to come by and actually like push her a little bit, what do you think would happen? She might spill her She's probably going to spill. What about uh, our, our second person in the middle here? Is he going to overflow? No, probably fine. And on the end? A little splash, but not much, right? Okay, so if these passengers are your students, each of your students come from a different home life, they've had different things happen in their day, and they have all different types of stressors. 
Okay, when they come to you, their cups are different levels of being full. And for some, even the littlest shove can send their cup overflowing into some kind of meltdown. Okay, so you have to gauge. This is also why that bell ringer activity is, is a good idea because you can see kind of how full each person's cup is. All right. Thank you. If you would like to drink the Diet Coke, you may. If not, you can leave it there. No worries. All right. Uh, let's see. So the ones that have the most stressors are going to have the fullest cups, which means they're going to fill up, you know, overflow into a meltdown. Okay. This typically, here's our turbulence. Turbulence is going to impact everybody a little bit differently, and usually there are three types of responses. Right. Um, take a quick second. Uh, because of time's sake, we're not going to spend too much on this. But um, the stress responses are usually fight, flight, or freeze. And we typically tend to gear towards one. Um, but I like to point out that sometimes for our frequent flyers, as I call them, um, that they exhibit what I call the frizzle activity. Okay? Here's Miss Frizzle. She's known for being a little obscure. She has three different outfits, three different emotional states going on throughout the day. Our students are frequent flyers. They respond to turbulence in your classroom, which could be anything from them dropping their pencil, their calculator running out of batteries, you calling on them in class, or somebody saying something next to them, okay? Like this, okay? They might first be shocked, okay? Fright, fight. Then they get angry, right? They're trying to cover up that they have been seen um, for their weakness, so they start fighting. Then they realize that they're fighting and everybody's looking at them and then they feel embarrassed so they quickly leave the scene, typically to our room, they run to our room. And then there, we kind of have to talk them through it and we go through this period of them feeling disgraced, right? And this is only one class period for the day. They have six other class periods to go through and who knows what um, speech therapy, extracurriculars, or things that they have to do when they get home. Okay, and so although it can be easy to like want to reprimand them and teach them the lesson and all that, we need to be, make sure that we're showing them kindness and then firmness, all right? Because far too often these students in our ESS room, they're reminded of the things that they can't do and all the things that they do wrong, okay? So in these moments, it's important to show them that kindness because kindness is lending someone your strength instead of reminding them of their weaknesses. One of the best things that someone ever taught me about teaching, right, is that all behavior is needy behavior. So it's our job to figure out what that student needs based on the behavior that they're showing us. And although it's old, I like to come back to this um, Maslow's hierarchy pyramid and be like, okay, so which one of these is breaking down? What do they need? To, like, how do we fill that? What do they need so that they can be successful today? Okay. Now the part everyone looks forward to most on a trip, and that's the snacks. So can I have two to three volunteers willing to come up and try some snacks for me? Yes. What other person? Awesome, thank you. They're potato chips. All right, yes. So, first row, and I do have hand sanitizer if you want to clean anything. I get that. So this first cup here, take a look. What do you think you're gonna be tasting? Delicious Lay's potato chips. All right, yay. Go ahead and take one from the top cup. Over top here. cup, yep. Top cup. That top cup. And tell me how they taste. Mm. Delicious. <laughs> I'm very hungry. This is Crunchy, great. salty. Good. 
All right, now, whoops. What do you notice about this? What are you gonna be tasting next? It's a smaller bag. Go ahead and taste it. This one is in the second cup, yep. Delicious. Just as tasty. Alright, take one more chip and put it in your hand. Now smash it into pieces. Onto the table or over in the your, cup? In your hand. Because you're going to eat that one too. True. <laughs> alright, shove it in there. I know, it's not going to be pretty. It's alright. Yay! Alright, does it taste any different? A little like hand sanitizer, but otherwise good. Otherwise good. Alright, alright. Thank you. You may take your potato chips if you would like to further snack on them. Alright, so right here is your classroom content. I chose the party size because I know every day in your classroom is a party with plenty of things to go around. Right? The second that they chose was just a normal bag of lays. But they said it still tasted the same. Same ingredients, same flavor. It's a little bit smaller. Especially when they smash it into their hand. Smaller bite-sized pieces, right? Still the same thing. These students who experience turbulence as they go throughout the day, right? When they get home at night, they are spent, okay? And so we need to figure out how do we accommodate the material, okay? They're still getting everything that they need, all of the ingredients. It's just broken down into smaller bite-sized chunks. I don't know about you, but when I'm spent for a day and I'm hangry, I have two options, right? I can take small bites and get what I need, or I give up, throw everything out the window, and decide I'm just going to go to bed. And that's what our students have. They have that choice. So you as educators also have that choice. Do you want students to be able to get 75% of what you taught them that day, or do you want them to give up and have nothing? So we need to get creative as far as what exactly, what is the bare minimum that they need to do when they get home at night to show you what it is that they know, okay? That student that we looked at earlier who had it up here but he couldn't get it out on paper, how about he does a flip grid for his essays, okay, rather than spending all that time writing it out. That way you can see his thought process, you know what he's doing, and you can check off that he knows that content, right? Math, why don't they do all the odd problems that night? Skip the even ones. Make it easy. Okay? They're still getting essentially what you need them to have in smaller bite-sized chunks. All right. Can we talk about that? All right. Lastly, and I know we're running a few minutes over, but we are going to finish after this, is that you need to know that at any point, if you need assistance in your classroom, please hit your call button. Okay? We need you to hit the call button because, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here, Flight attendants, they have much more responsibilities rather than feeding you snacks and posing pretty for pantomimes, right? We as ESS staff, we are doing lots of things in the background to support you that you don't know about. We're talking behind the scenes with parents, teachers, mentors, therapists, all this. And we are teaching. At my school, we're teaching pull-out classes, okay? I could have a class of six kids. All six of those kids are on different grade levels, so different lesson plans, okay, different goals, and that's all happening for just one class period in our day. Then we have you, the kids coming in for tests and things like that. So all that to say, we want to help you, but sometimes we need you to hit the call buttons to bring our attention back to the key important things that you are seeing, such as that student who didn't take their meds, right? So... Um, 
Now, the thing that I remember the most about flight attendants is their joyful personalities and their wonderful smiles and their willingness to help. So I hope that you, as you go throughout the classrooms, um, you will find your ESS staff just as helpful as that. So um, I will be here for questions at the end, but I would just, as we make our descent and you head out, I would just like to end with a funny little video. <laughs> Thank you.